0: We also would love to connect with you on our social media on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. So good to see you today. Glad you've joined us for our experience. In this time, it's so easy to compare ourselves with the world's standards, what the world has to offer us. When God looks at our life, He's not looking for us to compare ourselves with what the world is asking us to be or wanting us to be. God looks at us and says, are you producing the kind of fruit that I want you to produce? Paul describes it in Galatians 5 verse 22 as to what fruitfulness really looks like according to God's standard. Joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Long suffering. These are the kind of fruits that God wants from our lives. It's so easy to to get lured into the flavor that the world is offering us. If you just taste this and if you just experience this and if you just do this, then you'll get this. And sometimes we compromise what God looks at as fruitfulness in our life for the flavor that the world is offering us. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 16, do not be immoral and godless like Esau who traded his rights as the firstborn son for a single meal. Esau, Jacob's brother, traded his destiny, his purpose for some flavor. He was hungry, came in after a long day, and his brother Jacob made him a bargain. I'll give you the stew that I've made, this amazing, flavorful stew, if you forfeit the fruit that you're called to live out in your life. If you give me your birthright, your birthright as the firstborn son. If you give me your spiritual inheritance, I will give you this flavor that you're looking for. And so Esau, in that moment, he was godless. He was immoral, sacrificed what was important, sacrificed what was precious for some flavor in the moment. God doesn't want us to trade fruit for flavor, purpose for preference. And today, I want to encourage you to dive in with us as we venture into another amazing, powerful message from the archives from 2016 called Flavor or Fruit. Flavor or Fruit, what is it gonna be? And this was actually recorded during a series called Hardcore, where we launched this health initiative. Powerful, powerful series. One of my favorite series actually in the past several years. It was just as powerful then as it is now. And I wanna encourage you, open up your heart Open up your ears to hear God encourage you and strengthen you in this time. Check this message out, flavor or fruit. Let me just give you quickly a little bit of a theme or a a, a framework biblically for this series. Go to Joshua 14 verse 11 out of the New uh, International Version. This is about Caleb, okay? Caleb and Joshua were one of 12 spies that made it through the wilderness and into the promise, okay? And they were really the only people that lasted the whole, uh, the whole generation of wilderness living. They are the only people that made it into the promised land. Everyone else died off. And Caleb and Joshua were the only two spies out of 12, two years into the wilderness journey, that came back with the good report. There was something special about Caleb. And so this is speaking about Caleb in Joshua 14:11. He says this, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as i was then this is not young joshua people always say well joshua and caleb they're the next generation taking the church into the promised land and they were eight he was 85 years old saying this going into the promised land they were old going into their promise they were not young at one point they were young everybody thinks that it's a misunderstanding of scripture they were old they had gone through the process They've gone through the process and come into the purpose. And he says this, man, I'm 85. But because I established these core elements on the inside of me during the wilderness, during the process, which is where everything is forged, there's no forging without fire, right? There's no forging and there's no testing without fire. You can't get pure gold if you don't test the gold with fire. You with me? In the wilderness, the wilderness was the preparation in the process for their purpose. And he said, man, I I am as strong today as I was back then. And now I'm 85 years old. And I'm just as vigorous to go out and fight as I was before, UFC style. I'm ready to go at every time of the day. 85. Who wants to be 85 in here and be like Joshua? Joshua everybody should put their hand up, and I'm telling you, if we begin to establish these routines of healthy living, both spiritually and physically, you'll be able to make it the long haul. So who wants to join the challenge? Come on. Everyone should just be trying. Get your feet wet a little bit. You may get into it, may not like it, but, you know, just try it. You never know how pants feel. You never know how skinny jeans feel on your body until you try them. Okay. So... Two weeks ago, to kick this off, and by the way, my amazing wife is speaking next week. It's gonna be awesome, awesome. I'm speaking at a conference in Brazil, and so she'll be here uh, bringing the house down. She's gonna do awesome. I love my wife. I'm obsessed with my wife, appreciate my wife, and she's the hottest person in here. Anyways, so about two weeks ago, I I, I was trying to go to sleep, and I think it was a Sunday night or a Monday night, I can't remember exactly, but I was trying to go to sleep, and this happens to me once in a while, and I'll have these thoughts run through my mind, because my mind's at rest, and how many know when your mind's at rest, when you're in the shower, you're going to the washroom, or you're about to go to bed, you have all these amazing ideas that's what all because everything is just kind of shut down you're, you're able to think clearly see clearly and be more creative naturally creative and so I was I was sitting down and God began to speak to me and he gave me these two words or really three words he said this flavor or fruit flavor or fruit so I'm like man that's really good I can write this down so I wrote it down on my phone this is like probably like 11 30 12 a.m. I wrote down on my phone and I started meditating on it, flavor or fruit. And then God began to speak to me. And I want to I give you the focus of what I believe God is saying through this phrase that he gave me, flavor or fruit, and how it applies as the phase one, first phase, to strengthen our core. So I write this down, flavor or fruit. Flavor or fruit. Now I'm going to break this down. How many know that sometimes you can rob yourself of something really good because of the flavor? You can rob yourself of nutrients in your body, something that you need that's going to be fruitful for your body to bring strength to your body because of the flavor. You don't like something. How many didn't like their mom's cooking when they grew up? Nobody wants to admit it. Now, everyone loves their mom's cooking. One person admitted it. Oh, I feel bad for your mom. but she's not here. But, you know... Maybe for you it was like the broccoli or the asparagus, how certain things were cooked, and you didn't like the flavor, but your parents knew it was good for you. It was going to be fruitful for your body. It was going to strengthen your body, but you sacrificed fruit for flavor. How do you know what I'm talking about? We go throughout life doing this without even realizing it, putting flavor above fruit. Hey, the whole goal of life in your relationship with God is to make you fruitful, to make you multiply, to set you up for success. But the only way you multiply is by producing fruit. Fruitfulness has always been the goal and it always will be the goal. Basically, my my point today is I want to draw a little bit. Of I want to paint a picture for you between the difference between what's long-lasting and what's short-term. What's short-term is what's usually flavorful. What's long-lasting is what it takes to get fruitfulness, to get multiplication to grow into all that God has put on the inside of you there is something great on the inside of your root and the only way that you get fruit is it's got to travel from the root to the branch to bear fruit and in that process there can be a struggle in that process, there can be a struggle. It may not feel good, the breaking, the stretching, the moving, the expansion for the branch to produce the fruit because you are that branch. It may not always taste good, feel good, smell good, or even seem good, but nothing good comes without a cost. Yeah. Nothing good comes without great, intense effort. And that's what I'm talking to you about today. I want We can't escape the processes that get us to fruit, and this is the first challenge, I believe, really to building a strong core. We want to get an understanding that it's all about fruit. It's all about the fruit on our tree. Pretend all of you are like little trees in here, and the whole goal of your tree is to show the world your fruit. To show the world how much you love, to show the world how kind you are, to show the world how gentle you are, to show your family that you are about reconciliation and about restoration, that you are about love above their behavioral patterns in life. That's the goal, right, of all of our lives. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you're, you want to advance, you want to succeed, you want to produce fruit that not only you can enjoy, but that somebody else can enjoy in life. Man, that's what having kids really is all about. We're producing fruit, offspring that we get to enjoy in life and can be enjoyed by others in life. I was thinking about this as a challenge because how many like the buffet? Yeah. I yeah. like the buffet? Well, you know the buffet, going to a buffet, depending on what kind of buffet it is, let's, let's say Chinese buffet which I'm not really sure why they still exist, but let's say a Chinese buffet, you go to a Chinese buffet and you know that there are going to be things in that buffet that are really flavorful, right? You have the General Tao's chicken, just full of sugar and and garbage, but it tastes good, right? tastes good to your mouth, right? We all love it in the moment, but how many know it's not necessarily the most fruitful thing for your body? Just remind yourself of what happens the next morning it's not the most fruitful thing in your body but it tastes really good right we sacrifice what's good for us the fruit that God wants us to produce in life for flavor often not realizing that it is a sacrifice and the same way that we need to pay the price in the process to produce something good is the same way that we sacrifice in the process when we eat something good that's not really good for us are you with me So we're talking about fruit. And I remember, I was thinking about this because I remember when I, I, two years ago, those of you who've been tracking with us, over two years ago, it was around April, over two years ago, I started this health journey where I lost 40 pounds and I just made some healthy choices. Now, when I say all this stuff, you know, I'm not trying to say that I know what to do. I'm not saying that I have the best plan or I know what I'm doing, I'm not saying any of that, I'm just saying this was my journey and I began a journey, a Kickstarter journey where I began to do this thing called the maker's diet and I was only doing it to support my wife because she had to do it for some health reasons and so I did it grudgingly but to support my wife because I know that if one person in the household tries to do something, unless all of them do it, one of, the majority of the time, one of them will, will not win, they'll not, they'll not make it to the end, just too much temptation. You know, you don't, you don't send a, a drug addict to a drug house and put all kinds of drugs in front of him and expect him not to go back to drugs. Well, we're all addicted to food. Certain kinds of food. If you, if you want to break the pattern, then you have to create a scenario and an atmosphere. The atmosphere has to be changing now in your household. If you do that then you set yourself up for success as a family or in relationship or wherever you live with your roommates. You gotta be on track together. It helps, right? People help people, right? So I remember I was on this journey, 40 day journey. It was a 40 day journey and my goal, this is personal. I didn't have to do this, I wanted to do it. I wanted to support my wife and I wanted to do it for myself. I wanted to convince myself spiritually that I could do it but I also wanted to convince myself physically that I wasn't addicted to the things I I didn't think I was addicted to as far as food. And so I, uh, three weeks into the journey, I went through this like major like cleanse and like revolution in my body. It was like some sort of demon left me, it felt like at some point, right? Don't explain it any further, but let's just say it felt like something dark left my body. And, uh, and so I, I was going through this process and I remember, I don't know if Michelle remembers this, but I was sitting at home one night and I'd been really good. I was like 100%, right? I was like 100%. You were encouraged by my 100% because you were like maybe what? 90%, maybe 75, 52. I don't know. I'm just talking. No, you were like 90. You were really good. But I was like 100% and I was like, I even for my pride's sake, I wanted to say that I did it. Sometimes that's okay, okay, (laughs) to finish something that you start, because a lot of us are starters, but we're not finishers. I want to finish what I start, so I started this journey, and I am like dedicated to this journey. I am going to not do the things that I want to do. I'm going to do the things that I need to do that are going to produce fruit in my life. I'm not going to be lured by the flavors of all these different foods that I used to be addicted to. Three weeks into it, I was sitting on my chair in my living room and I felt I felt like a drug addict. I was rocking back and forth. I'm like, I just want a pizza. I just want a pizza. Oh I'm gonna order a pizza. I'm gonna order a large pizza. I'm gonna eat the whole pizza myself right now. I just want a pizza. It was like seven o'clock at night and I like I'm not eating after like seven thirty. I'm like I want a pizza so bad and I hadn't had pizza for like three, three and a half, four weeks and so I am like craving like I'm losing my mind. I want this pizza so bad and I'm like should I just do it? Should I just do it? It's not a big deal. No one's even no one's even gonna care. I'm just doing it for myself. Trying to convince myself and my wife I remember my wife encouraging me not to do it. She's like, you made it this far. Don't don't give up. You made it this far. Don't sacrifice fruit that you know you want after the end of this 40-day cycle for the flavor. Because how many know that it's only temporary when it goes into your mouth? What you taste, how it feels is temporary. But once it goes down your esophagus, down your throat, into your stomach, that's when everything changes. Right? I didn't do it. Thank God for my wife. Larry Randolph, friend of mine, minister friend of mine, says his wife is like the resident Holy Spirit, the comforter, the guide. Thank you for guiding me into all truth. You you helped me in that moment. But you know, there's been a war over fruit since the beginning of time. Genesis 1 28, that was the command. That was the that was the command given, the commission given to mankind. Be fruitful and multiply. But then in Genesis 3, jump over Genesis 3, then they started getting tempted. Eve started getting tempted well did God really say that you can't eat all of the fruit in the garden did God really say that you can't eat off that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil it's got some really good looking fruit in fact I bet you it's really flavorful more flavorful than any other fruit in the garden we all know what happened through that temptation because let me tell you this your taste can talk you out of the test write that down your taste. What tastes good in the moment? What feels good in the moment? Your taste can talk you out of the test that you're living in right now. You're all in a test right now. You know that? You're all in a test. Something is happening on the inside of you. You're being sculpted. You're being prepared. You're being propelled. You're in a process of refining. You're all in a test for something one day that you will win that will become a trophy in your life. You're all called to have trophies of triumph in your life, so to speak, but you're all in a test to get there, and in the moment when we're being tempted, we end up talking ourselves out of the test because of taste, and that's what happened to Eve in that moment, and so she forfeited the fruit that God wanted her to have for the flavor, the taste of something good in the moment. But thank God he had another plan. And then so God wiped out the earth and started all over again. In Genesis 9, right after Noah, right after the the flood and all things were made new, the first charge again to Noah was, hey, hey, bro, be fruitful and multiply. Increase in the earth that I've given you. So there has been a war since the beginning of time over you being fruitful. There's been a war over it because God knew that there would be flavors in life that would take you out. Flavor or fruit. The good things come often with great effort. The easy things come with great flavor often. And we can get so sidetracked without being aware of it. Your greatest battle is called to be the container for the greatest fruit in your life. Write that down. The greatest battle. The greatest battle that you're facing right now is supposed to be the soil with which you grow the greatest fruit. Think about what you're struggling with right now. Think about what you're being tempted with right now. Think about the struggles that you're facing. The tastes that you want in your mouth or that you don't want in the sacrifice of fruit. Your greatest battles right now is the soil. Is the bed of soil for the greatest fruit in your life. That's why there's always been a battle over your fruit. How does it make me feel? How does it taste? How does it feel? You know, you may feel like you're called to be a leader of fives, tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands of people. But there's a test. There's a preparation, right? There's a process. You have to go through some tastes, some bitter tastes that you don't like. Some sour tastes that you don't like. Leadership, on both sides of leadership, is bitter and sweet, On both sides of success is bitter and sweet. No one likes the bitter. Everyone loves the sweet. But you actually need the bitter to prepare you to handle the sweet. Too much of a good thing all the time can take you out. Too much of something really sweet in life physically. Too much honey can be sour and hurtful and harmful for your stomach. But... If you understand the balance of bitter and sweet, understand that to get to sweet, you sometimes have to embrace the bitter flavors of life. The trials, the tests, the conflict... the the boss at work that doesn't that you feel doesn't like you and you got to work through you're not a confrontational person but you got to work through learning how to confront learning how to have a communication learning how to have relationship you may be the most antisocial person and you feel like you're called to lead thousands and coach the world on this and that but if you can't embrace the bitter taste of the insecurities in your life being broken off of you and letting those around you help you, prepare you in the process to give you a little bit of a push in your perseverance, then you're going to miss your purpose because you're sacrificing the flavor or the fruit for the flavor of what things taste like and feel like in the moment. That's really good. (laughs) It's really good. Flavor can be attractive, but it's not as important as the fruit. Let's go to Genesis 25. I want to I give you a little bit of a picture, a deeper picture, through a character named Esau. Everyone say E-saw. Esau. 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 Genesis 25, verse 29 to 34 says this. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a context for this passage of Scripture. The story goes... These guys were like twin brothers, okay? Esau came out first, Jacob came out second, but when Esau was coming out, Jacob tried to grab the heel of his brother. From the get-go, there was a rivalry, there was competition, there was discord. Even the mother felt the discord and the battle going on in the womb. There were two nations she felt like that were fighting in the womb, which they were. And, and the promise was over Esau, who was the firstborn. Because all throughout this culture, especially in patriarchal society, the firstborn got all the blessing. The firstborn son got all of the blessing, the inheritance, the wealth. They got a double portion often. They got the spiritual blessing, not just the physical blessing, but the spiritual blessing. So they advanced seemingly more than the others that were born after the firstborn and there's a reason for that it's a it's really just a setup culturally it was a setup for Jesus Christ who would be again the firstborn among many of humanity he'd be the firstborn because he was born of a virgin totally different scenario but I'll get there in a little bit so in this context they're growing up a little bit Esau had become an incredible hunter but Jacob was like a mama's boy Jacob was like a mama's boy hanging out in the kitchen with his blankie making the stew Doing the stuff, you know, taking care of the household, learning about spiritual matters. But Esau, even his name means hairy. They named him Esau because his because na- his actually name means it means hairy, full of hair. He came out and he was hairy, so let's call him Harry. Uh, that's just how it was back in the day. Let's call Esau. It means Harry. Let's just call him Harry. Imagine if that was your name. You came out with one eyebrow. Uh, uni. Let's call him Uni. Esau was Harry. Let's call him Harry. And then Jacob, when he came out, he was holding on to the heel, trying to pull Esau back in. There was this competition. So they called him supplanter. His name actually means, comes from the root heel. Supplanter, deceiver, grabber of the heel. Always wanting what somebody else has and does whatever he can to get it. So these guys come out of the womb with these... Incredible names that really identify who they are in their life. And so we pick it up in verse 29. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew because he was that guy, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. How many know that you make really dumb decisions when you're exhausted and hungry? Someone told me once, a leader in my life said, never make a game-changing decision when you're emotionally, mentally, or physically burnt out. Never quit. Never make a game-changing decision because you never think clearly. It always stuck with me. Every time that I wanted to quit, every time that I wanted to give up on whatever was in front of me, I thought of those words. Never make a decision that will be a game-changer in your life when you're emotionally done. Dangerous, dangerous. Verse 30, Esau said to Jacob, I am starved. I am starved. Give me some of that red stew. I love how the Living Translation describes it. It says this is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red, which means red. Just like there's always two names for us, you know that? There's your given name, and then there's your new name when you encounter Jesus for the first time. When you encounter Jesus for the first time, you get a new name. That's newly identified with the one who created you. When you're born into this world, you're born into the image of Adam, but when you're reborn and you let Jesus into your life, you're reborn now from above and you get a new name, a new identity. God gives you a new ID. You've been using your fake ID the whole time until you encounter God. You've been getting into places that you shouldn't be getting into with a fake ID, but until you encounter God, no one really knows the real you. It's a false impression of you. So there's always two names, even like for Jacob. Jacob had a second name and he didn't get it till years later until he went through a hard process. So he says in verse 31, Jacob says, all right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn. I want all that you got. I want all the blessing. I want the spiritual. I want the physical. I want the wealth. So you're hungry. You're exhausted. You're starved. I'm going to pin you to the wall. I've always wanted what you've had. I've always tried to be the first, but I've been the last. I, I While you're out there making food for Isaac, our father, and have all the favor with the father, uh, I'm in here with mom. I'm in here with mom making the stew, but I want what you have with the father. I want you, I want what you have from, let's paint it as God the Father. I don't feel like myself is good enough, so I'm going to do whatever I can to deceive you and get from you what I need to get favor from the Father. How many know this, that you can never please God by your actions? God's already pleased with you. That's why he sent his son. He's already pleased with you. His actions are established a pleasure over your life that said this, I love you unconditionally, son, daughter, no matter where you're at, no matter what you do, my love is the same for you. My love is not conditional on your behavior, on your good behavior, on your bad behavior. That doesn't mean that our actions don't position us to walk into our destiny, but our actions do not necessarily pleasure God to get God's attention. You already have God's attention. You already have his attention. He loves you so much. Jacob tried to get the father's attention by doing something in his flesh to create a scenario of attraction so guess what Esau verse 32 look Esau said I'm dying of starvation said Esau what good is my birthright to me now But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore no, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother, Jacob. Verse 34. Then then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew, which was like a red curry. Selling your calling for curry. Calling for curry. Everybody say calling for curry. It was a red doll dish. That's what it would have been in that time. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. He chose flavor Over fruit. Esau had this fruitful destiny as the firstborn, this fruitful plan of God and because he disrespected himself and his calling, he traded his fruit for some flavor in the moment. I want to give you three quick things, scenarios that take place in our life when we trade flavor for fruit. Number one, write this down. When we trade flavor for fruit, we trade our name for the now. Write that down. Our name for what's now. You have an identity in Christ right now. If you've let Jesus into your life, you have an identity in Christ right now. God speaks highly, over your life he speaks into the good the potential of your life you have a name given to him given to you by himself it's a name that goes far beyond anything that you know and it's part of your destiny it's part of your inheritance it's part of your purpose and we all have a calling right and in this moment he traded his calling for some curry he traded his name for a new name Esau gave away who he was as just Harry. And he realigned himself with the flavor that he was after, which is red. Now he's not just hairy, he's hairy red. He's red and hairy. Follow me here. Genesis 25, verse 29 to 30. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red curry. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means Read, write this down. You define yourself with what you align yourself with, or we could say you redefine yourself with whatever you align yourself with your associations, whatever you give into in the moment. How many know we all want things now, right? We're in like a drive through, we live in a drive through. Culture. We all want things now. We all want things in the moment. And in those moments when we sacrifice fruit for the flavor in the moment, we trade in who we really are, our calling and our purpose for the now. I want it now. I want the money now. I want the breakthrough now Jacob I, I, I want it now so he got it now but Esau also wanted it now and he got it now but got the bad he didn't get the good he didn't get the fruit he lost the fruit in that moment traded it in for some flavor calling for curry I was going to call this message calling for curry but changed my mind that would be a good name of a curry house wouldn't it or, or Jacob's curry house so good you'll trade your birthright Give up all, all things for, for the curry. And I was thinking about this, about how all of us, we, we go through these moments, want things now, and we do whatever we can to get it now because of our culture. Whatever you ask for in the now will end up naming you in the future. Whatever you ask for, if it's good, then you'll set yourself up for good in the future. Whatever you are looking for, whatever you are wanting now will eventually name your future. It will rename everything that you become in the future. Whatever you're living in the present, whatever you're dealing with in the present, with whatever flavor you want to experience now in sacrifice of the fruit will end up naming and redefining your future. We all want things now. I'm exhausted, I'm hungry. Let me do whatever I can to get whatever I need. I'm too overworked, I'm burnt out, I'm too busy. And so we end up doing things in the moment in those seasons that we regret later on. We want things now, want the problem to be solved now. How many impatient people in the house? Few of you. I'm in the same boat as you. We're no different. I'm impatient, I'm impatient. I feel like I sometimes, man, I I want it now. I want it now. It's got to be now. But I know that in those moments sometimes, the now isn't as important as the necessary. And sometimes what's necessary is not what I want right now. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. Sometimes what's necessary is not what I want right now. I, I want to experience a certain flavor in my, in my, my mouth. I want to I experience something that's, that's good that I know I need. But in the moment, I'm forgetting, wait a minute, is this the flavor that I need? Is this going to rob me of the fruit? Is this going to rob me of the fruit? Is whatever I ask for in the now, will eventually name my future. We trade in our name for now, but we also trade in our purpose for our preference. Number two, write that down. Our purpose for our preference Genesis 25 verse 31 to 33, it says, all right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation here. And Esau said, Esau, what good is my birthright to me now? I prefer this over my purpose because all I could see, all I can feel is this need to taste that amazing red curry. All I want is what I want right now. He traded in his purpose for his preference. Flavor will always fool you, but fruit will focus you. And in this moment, Esau was not focused on the fruit. He was focused on the flavor. And I was thinking about back, and I shared this at our two, two, team, um, two culture nights ago when we were at Redeemer. It kind of came up, and it just kind of like just spontaneously came up. But I, I was sharing how I encountered this situation early on in my spiritual walk. I was attending a church, and uh, I was—I uh, had only been walking with God for a few years at this point. I'd just come back from traveling. There'd been uh, quite a bit of controversy—controversy controversy around some of you know what was happening, and, and 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 like some of the the fruit that was happening. People didn't like the taste of the fruit. They didn't like the flavor. And so I remember sitting. In a board room, because I had a lot of board room meetings with uh, elders very early on in my spiritual walk, that totally should have got me off track. And I remember sitting around a table with seven board room elders that had been walking with Jesus longer than I'd been alive. And I'm sitting there. I'm like two years into this whole thing, two and a half years into this whole thing. And I'm sitting there, and they're kind. Some of them are kind of drilling me. Some of them are, you know, wondering. Some of them are questioning me. And I'm sitting there, and a story came up because we had just had a baptismal service at the at the church and these there was a whole bunch of baptisms that kept referencing the the encounters they were having as a result of some of the connection that I had with them and so this one elder its always that one elder everyone say one elder it's always that one elder there's a one elder looks over and says well I don't know if I like the fact that one guy got up and baptisms and said that the reason why he let Jesus into his life is because Jesus visited him in a dream. So I'm sitting here, I'm calculating this thought in my head. I'm calculating how am I going to respond to this. And all I can do is think of, to put it in different words, all you're thinking about is the flavor of how they got the fruit. The point is, it's The fruit. The point is, it's not about your preference and about what you're comfortable with, even though this entire book that we call the Bible is full of dreams and supernatural visitations. You can't escape it. Over one-third of it is full of supernatural encounters, and the same God of that book is the same God that's in me. I'm thinking, what God are we serving at this point? I didn't say that. Not wise in a moment like that. Seven against one. So I'm thinking in my mind, what am I gonna say? And I I started to say, and I started to to cry. I I just could feel the heart of God. I broke down in this meeting. And I'm like, you're sitting here. We're arguing. This guy, this guy was a drug addict. This guy was screwed up. This guy had no belief in God. Now he is in love with Jesus. He's getting baptized, taking the next step. And you're complaining about the flavor of how we got the fruit. If Jesus wants to visit him in a dream let him visit him in a dream it doesn't matter the flavor you're trading the purpose of this whole thing for your preference just because you don't understand the scripture in this area which we're all guilty of that we're all guilty of ignorance in areas of life right and we often will trade our purpose for our preference in that moment Purpose was being traded in for preference. I don't like how it's happening. I don't like how it made me feel. I don't like, I just remember thinking in that moment, man, it's all about the fruit. It's not about the flavor. It's not about the flavor. The flavor is awesome when it brings us to enjoy the fruit, but sometimes the flavor needs to be bitter. Too much sweet after a long time is going to give you cat cavities. Drink some coffee. Flavor will fool you, but fruit will focus you. And don't forfeit the fruit for the flavor. This is what happens to many of us in these moments. We trade in our name for the now. We trade in our purpose for our preference, but also we trade in our destiny for disdain. Write that down, number three. Trade in our destiny for disdain. Trying to stay in this passage of the story of Esau, Genesis 25, verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. That word contempt in the Greek language means disdain. It means total disrespect. It means disgust. You know in that moment what Esau did is it wasn't even just about him enjoying the moment. It was about him disrespecting his calling, disrespecting his rights as the firstborn, disdaining who he really was and who he had been named to be. He disdained himself. You know that's what we do when we when we when we trade in fruit for flavor in life, whether it's for the now or for our preference, you know what we end up doing? Is we slap our destiny in the face. We get good, we're good on a good track for a while. We have, we're on this road to destiny, this road to purpose. We start a new diet, a new challenge, and we feel great. We feel great about ourselves, but we all know our patterns, right? They're, it's cyclical often. Every year on the same time, you fall back into the same old pattern, the same old thing, and you want something that you want right now. You trade in the fruit for the flavor of what things feel like and what things taste like, and in that moment, you trade in your destiny for disrespect really what you're doing is you're slapping across the face what you're called to live you're really what you're saying is I'm disgusted with who I'm supposed to be so I'm gonna enjoy this moment right now I'm gonna enjoy the flavor I'm gonna sacrifice fruit for the flavor you guys it's always been about fruitfulness and we don't stop until we get fruit. we don't keep we keep going until fruit happens you know, you may, you may be a chronic quitter. God wants to break that pattern in your life. Because every time you quit, you show disdain for your destiny. Every time you give in to the flavor of what you feel like, you just slap across the face your destiny. God wants to set you free today. He wants to set you free he wants to alleviate the tension that you're carrying and even the weight of people's words around you he's always he's a quitter once a quitter always a quitter he's just gonna quit again he's just gonna quit again and in you you so want to prove them wrong but somewhere in you you believe it why don't you prove yourself wrong and prove God right prove your lying self wrong first Don't focus on the people around you and the words, the chatter. Focus on yourself. If Esau was more focused on what he had and who he was, who knows what would have happened. He went down in history as someone that we do not want to model ourselves after. Hebrews 12 verse 16, the Hebrew writer says this. Make sure, this is God speaking, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. What he was saying is don't be like Esau. Don't trade in your name and who you are, your identity for the now. Don't trade in your purpose for your preference. A lot of us do that in church. We prefer a certain style of music, a certain flavor of music, a certain flavor of visual, you know, uh, uh, visual aesthetics, a certain flavor. We want it to feel a certain flavor of speaking. I wish the speaker just stood still and stood behind his glass pulpit and never moved and didn't get passionate. I just wish there was a monotone. I just wish, I wish, I prefer, I prefer. I just wish we weren't in a theater like this and having to walk down the stairs. I just wish they weren't red. I wish they were blue chairs. I I wish the lobby was bigger. I wish the music wasn't so loud. I wish we didn't have to wear earplugs in church because it's so loud. I prefer, I prefer, but there's always a purpose. And if we put our preference before our purpose, we sacrifice fruit. Putting flavor before fruit. It affects every relationship that we have, every family dynamic part of a relationship that we have. Think about your relationships right now and how flavor is stopping you from achieving and seeing fruit in those relationships. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't feel good to move through offense when my husband, my wife, my coworker, my boss, my friend offends me. It doesn't feel good to work through confrontation. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't taste good. We let that rob us of the fruit that God wants to bring through it. I was saying on Wednesday, sometimes God allows a little bit of crap to be thrown on you. Because even crop is used to produce something good in the soil. Fertilizes your heart. Some of you are going through some crap, so to speak. But What if that crop has been designed to be turned into good? To fertilize your heart so we can plant more seed inside of you. Spiritual manure. Some of you need to be slimed with some spiritual manure today. Fertilize your heart. Because your heart is hard and you, you need some fertilizer May not smell good, right? You don't like the flavor. That flavor of manure just gets you, gets me the wrong way. You know, when you come out of your house in the morning, you know, the farmers are spreading the manure. And all you can do is wonder, man, that stinks so bad. Some of you need a little stink in life to help you think. So you stop being a... (laughs) Woo! Woo! up with me stand up with me i want to close with this passage or this last verse i hope this encouraged you this morning matthew 27 matthew 27 verse 44 or 48 sorry jesus watch this jesus okay jesus showed all humanity what it looks like to put fruit above flavor Everything Jesus did was in substitution for what you could never do. Everything Jesus did was to stand in the gap on behalf of you. He took a cross that you used to have to bear so you would not have to bear. That's why he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He took thorns in his skull that released a poison in his mind. In other words, he allowed poison to come into his mind so your mind could be free of the poison of the world. He took nails in his feet so that you wouldn't have to walk a journey of pain and paralysis. So you could walk this walk of life and live it out. doesn't mean you won't have trial, but he did all these things for you on behalf of you. And the last thing that happened before Jesus gave up his spirit, we find it in Matthew 27 verse 48, says this, one of them, one of the guards, ran and filled the sponge with sour wine. This would have been the wine that none of the wealthy would have drank. It was a cheap wine, a sour vinegar. He already turned it down the first time. This is the second time. It was a sour vinegar. It was something that wasn't pleasant, although it might have satisfied in the moment. It might have satisfied his thirst in the moment. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't pleasurable. They filled it with a, a sponge with a sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Verse 50, then Jesus it again, and he released his spirit. Let me just tell you this. Jesus embrace the bitter flavor because he knew that it would be the beginning and the spawn of the greatest act of fruitfulness that would ever take place in the earth. You were all in his mind as the fruit while he was on the cross. He had to move through the flavor so you could have the fruit. He had to move through the flavor so you can be fruitful and multiply. That's why John 15 says, if you abide in me, remain in me, and I in you, you will be fruitful. Your branch will bear much fruit. Connect with me. I embrace the bad flavors of life so that you can move through them into fruitfulness. Well, I hope that message really encouraged you. I don't know about you, but whenever I look back on some of these moments, some of these messages, I get encouraged even by my own message. I know that sounds weird, but I think so often in life, it's easy to trade what's important for what's less important. Trading our fruitfulness, what God calls fruit, for some flavor in the moment. Sacrifice it all. And I wanna encourage you in this season, don't let the pressures of the world around you cause you to let go of what's really important if you said yes to jesus and you've opened up your heart for the first time today that is the best decision you've ever made i believe and so i want to encourage you reach out to one of our team members you can email us at prayer at kingdomculture.ca and we'd love to journey with you in the next steps along this new uh commitment you've made to to walk with jesus in relationship kingdom culture we love you god bless you and we'll see you soon